Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports That We Like podcast. I'm your host today, Ben Daniel, on this Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. Let's kick things off today with what we saw last, last night. Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, ALDS series finally over. Boston Red Sox take it 3-1 to one after winning last night 4-3. to three. Man, oh man. CC started, three innings pitched, three earned, one strikeout, two walks. Parcello started for the Sox, five innings pitched, one earned one, one earned run, one strikeout, one walk. Not the best day to be a Yankee fan, especially after the 16-1 destruction that we took part in the other night. Let's just say these playoffs against the Red Sox, they had our number. They scored 27 runs. We scored 14 runs. We just couldn't do anything at home, especially the bats couldn't wake up at home where we need them to wake up. They decided to hit home runs in Fenway Park. But once we come home to that short right field fence, we just couldn't get it done. Not exactly sure why, but we will be back next year. We will be back next year. And hopefully the bats are still swinging, but the pitching steps it up. Because when we took the Red Sox in the regular season, it was 10-9. You know, they won 10 times, we won 9 times. So, we are more evenly matched than this ALDS showed. And I'm sure every Yankee fan can agree with me out there that next year when it comes October time, we will be back. We will be wearing our thermals. We will be in the Bronx watching Aaron Judge Stan, Glabar, do what they got to do. But what lies ahead for Boston coming up to the next series against Houston, the ALCS, that's going to be a incredible series. And what's next for the New York Yankees in the offseason? You know, what? What? where do the Yankees go from here? I think we all can agree that they need the pitching, but we'll talk about that momentarily. Red Sox, Astros, ALCS, Saturday, October 13th, Game 1 in Boston. This is going to be an incredible series, guys. We are seriously in for a treat. Seriously in for a treat. The regular season, Houston did win the regular series 4-3. However, Boston, most wins in baseball. Astros, second most wins in baseball. 108-103. We're going to see the best pitchers. We're going to see the best high-quality talent on the field the Major League Baseball has to offer. And these aren't going to be your high names as far as the hitters go. Pitchers, of course, they we, Boston has that great starting lineup with Price, with Sale. Astros, Verlander, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, they're all ready. Houston's ERA, 3.11. Boston's ERA, 3.75. They both have the same amount of home runs virtually. Boston at 208, Houston at 205. So we're looking at some 4-3 ball games, 3-2 ball games, 2-1 ball games. It's going to be a defensive struggle, especially with the likes of Betts, Altuve, Martinez, Springer, Bogard, Marwin Gonzalez, especially with these guys on the field with these gloves out here. Dustin Pedroia still does play baseball, ladies and gentlemen. He is still a serviceable 
reliable second baseman. The Astros are looking to get back to where they were last year. The Red Sox are looking to get there. It's going to be a slugfest. I can't call it, but if I had to call it right now, I'd go with Houston. They're pitching. It's pitching. It's postseason. It's pitching. Bats fall asleep eventually. Not saying that Boston has the biggest bats, but uh, they do like to play small ball more than the Astros do, in my opinion. The Astros are one of the best small ball teams as well. It's going to be a good series, guys. Definitely looking forward to it. Going to be one of the series I look forward to. Going to be one of the series I look forward to, indeed. Especially as a Yankee fan. Want to see what Boston does, you know? You fucking hate them. You fucking hate them. What do the Yankees do? Where do the Yankees go from here? Well, let's see. I saw an article this morning pretty unbelievable honestly that we need to fix our entire roster I completely disagree Stanton, Judge, Glabar and Duhar we want to re-sign McCutcheon, Hicks, Gardner Gardner's going to be a Yankee for life we still have Voight you know we're going to pursue him I can't see why the Yankees won't make him an offer you know offensively the whole team is coming back once Voight joined the team He's batting 333, 14 home runs, 33 RBIs in 39 games. Even though he didn't do too well in the postseason, his glove was valuable in the postseason. His bat fell asleep a little bit, but hey, New York's a different ball game. He'll get it back. Judge looked good. Stanton, New York's a different ball game. You'll get it. You realize that your first couple at-bats in a Yankees uniform, yeah, you're going to strike out, and we're going to boo you. But when you come back and you hit that home run, we're going to revere you. We're going to cheer for you. We're going to embrace you. We're going to love you. We already do. But in New York, it's not about getting to the postseason. It's about winning the postseason. We want to bring the World Series trophy back to New York. just something that you need to keep in your mind we're not in Miami anymore we're not in Florida anymore McCutcheon I know you had that brief taste of postseason baseball in Pittsburgh but you're in New York now you are in New York now so we're going to be expecting a lot from you guys moving forward especially from Gary Sanchez but we still have our bats coming back So I don't see the need to panic. What I do see the need to do is to go out and get a bona fide number one starting pitcher. And we don't have to go far for that guy. Just look right across town. Syndergaard, DeGrom, these guys are out there. The Mets aren't doing anything anytime soon. So why can't we go get them? Without offering the names that I just mentioned. We have enough people in our farm. We can give up a Sonny Gray. We can give up a Tyler Austin. We can give up a Greg Bird. We can give up a Ronaldo Reyes. We can give up these guys in our farm system. As well as guys who are in our clubhouse that have shown they can produce at this level 
for the Grom. And if there's somebody so revered as the bat that the Mets want, take him. You want an early pick too? Second round pick, third round pick, take it. Give me DeGrom or give me Syndergaard. One of the two I need. Because if we get that, retain Hap as well. Because that's something we need to do as well. J.A. Hap was a big pickup. If we retain Hap as well, we're looking at Syndergaard or DeGrom, Tanaka, Severino, and Hap. For postseason baseball. And we'll have the ability to move one of those guys into the bullpen as well. If we're going to pitch three starters only. I think that's the move to make in the postseason. Three starters only with your fourth starter being your reliever in every game. Not every game, but I think you understand. But then we're talking... Syndergaard, Tanaka, Severino, Hap. Give it to Batanzas. Give it to Chapman. Give it to these guys. All this talk of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Yeah, that's fun. We don't need more bats. We don't need more gloves. We need pitching. Unless Mike Trout can pitch, I don't want him. Unless Bryce Harper can pitch, I don't want him. Yes, it'd be cool if we just paid them that immense sum of money. Yes, it would be cool. But we don't need them. Point blank. We don't need them. There's good things, though, coming. If you're a Yankee fan. And if you're a Red Sox fan, I suppose. And you notice that throughout some years, within the last five to seven years, the Orioles were atop of the AL East. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays were on top of the AL East with Joe Madden. Even that one year where Batista went crazy, the Blue Jays were viable in the AL East. There was a period, a brief period, where the Red Sox and Yankees weren't too good. They were alright, but they weren't too good. Not World Series favorites. The future's bright for this rival. For this rivalry, excuse me. The future's very bright. You hear all those guys I named on the Yankees. You hear about Price, Martinez, Betts. Andrew Penatendi, Xander Bogart, nice young players. These guys are on contract through next year and some of 2020 as well. Some of them are through 2020 as well. A lot of their young guys were from the draft. That's just, they're not through contract. Once they see a real sum of money, they're going to get signed. It's not going to be a big deal. Red Sox want to keep this crew intact, I'm sure. They're going to want to re-sign Chris Sale in a couple years, even though he's through next year even though Dave Price is through 2021 Parcilla for the next couple years you're feeling really good if you're a yet Red Sox fan and you're feeling really good if you're a Yankees fan today you're feeling really good the old days of 
A-Rod and Veritech, Wakefield and Boone, Pedro shoving Don Zimmer to the ground in that memorable brawl. Even on a lesser scale, Jeter versus Nomar. Yes, Boston versus New York, but they both play the same position. They were both atop their positions. They're both 1A, 1B, 1A, 3 in the league in the in their position. So yeah, you had the Boston Yankee thing going on, but you also had who's best? Who's better? Am I better than Nomar? Is Nomar better than Jeter? Who knows? That's what they played for. Jeter was clearly better. Nomar had those good years, don't get me wrong. But Jeter was the better player, the better leader. And you can see it on his fingers when he brings out the rings. But they had a little battle as well that we can't forget about. Aaron Boone's walk-off in Game 7 on Wakefield. The Yankees blowing a 3-1 lead series the next year. Those days are gone. That old rivalry is gone. You're looking at this year. We had the Tyler Austin brawl. We had the Giancarlo. The Aaron Hicks. We had the bat flips. We had the stare downs after hitting a 430-yard bomb. 430-foot bomb. We had all that. We had the fan throwing the ball at Stan after his home run at the end of the year. Even last night, while Kembrell was getting out of the bullpen, the Yankee fans were throwing beer on this man. You know the rivalry's back. If both teams were bad and irrelevant, we're not doing that. But the rivalry's back, and we're heated, and we're ready to go. We're ready to go. So yeah, the Red Sox won this year, but next year, Yankees will be back. This rivalry is officially on. Again. Because those five to seven years, they were born. Yeah, you hate the Yankees. Yeah, you hate the Yankees. Yeah, you hate the Red Sox. But when the other team is better, you hate them that much more. And when you're just as good and you're close, oh, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. Before the series started, the Yankees were playing New York, New York. And after the series, who's the team playing that song? Who's the team playing the song after that series? The Red Sox. These two teams are being petty because they don't like each other. And not only do they not like each other, they were born into this feud. Betts was born into this feud. Judge was born into this feud. And Duhar was born into this feud. Brett Gardner lives and dies for this feud. These aren't players these teams traded for. These are homegrown players. Bogart born into this feud. These guys are really not about each other. And I love it. When it's a rivalry and two teams really don't like each other, you love it. You love it. I remember about four, four to five years back. I want to say it was the Cubs and the Cardinals. They really didn't like each other. And they brawled at least four times that year. That's when baseball's at its best. When teams don't like each other, 
They're both really good. It's playoff time. And all that's left is just to compete. All that's left is just to compete. Excited. Excited for Yankees baseball. Moving on. This is going to be year number two for the Thunder and their supposed big three or big two. I don't know what you want to call them with Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams. I'm not sure what you want to call them. Big three or big two. They're a big something though. They faced the Bucks yesterday in a preseason match that meant nothing. But a good sign, Paul George, 26 points, 19 minutes, 9 for 13. Bad sign, Steven Adams, 5 points, 4 minutes, 3 blocks, and 16 minutes. 3 blocks in 16 minutes is good. Steven Adams needs to step into his offense game. He needs to be a reliable 15 to 18 if he wants to be considered part of a big three. I'm just saying, Westbrook didn't even play. As far as the Bucks go, Giannis didn't play. Bledsoe didn't play. Middleton, Lopez, none of those guys played. This match meant nothing to them. They just needed to get some rest. But back to the Thunder. Let's take a look at this Thunder team, shall we? What does this Thunder team really have? What are they really made of? You got Westbrook, Andre Robertson, Paul George, Patrick Patterson, Steven Adams. That's a solid starting five. That's a solid starting five. Westbrook, Paul George, two top level, top 13 players. It's a good starting five. Steven Adams, it's a good starting five. Andre Robertson, top five wing defender. Yeah. But where's the bench at? Okay. Where's the bench? Granted, they went out and picked up Dennis Schroeder. But who else do they have sitting on there? Raymond Felton. Nerlens Noel. Jerry and Grant. Alex Abrines. C. C minus players at best. Raymond Felton used to be a B player. Not anymore. Nerlens Noel. Who knows what he has in his tank. The process completely ruined him. Then he went to Dallas and virtually did nothing but get rebounds and dunk alley-oops like DeAndre Jordan, but just a cheaper version. Jenna Schroeder is the only one on this bench that can make his own shot. He's the only legit baller on this bench. He's the only one that you could put on any team, and he could fight for a starting position. The Thunder are really good at finding those point guards that can be a starter on other teams. Darren Collison, Reggie Jackson, and now it's Dennis Schroeder's turn. Even Cameron Payne went to the Bulls and started. Why? Couldn't tell you, but he went there and he started. What's going to happen with this team? Hmm? Where are they going to land? What are the expectations for this Thunder team? They were fourth last year. They were fourth in the West last year. 48 wins, 34 losses. They lost the first they lost in the first round to the Jazz though. A better team. Not better players. Listen carefully. A better team. One more time. Not better players. A better team. But the West is gonna be tough this year. Three wins separated the third seed from the ninth seed last year. Now you have the Lakers better, the Mavericks are better, the Suns are better. The Clippers came on strong at the end of last year. Let's think about it. The Lakers got LeBron, Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVel McGee, 
Lonzo's a year older. Kyle Kuzma looked good last year. He's a year older. Brandon Ingmung looked better last year. Here's a year older. And he's looking really good in these preseason games. So the Lakers are definitely going to be a top four seed to me. Off of LeBron alone. Then you got the Mavs. Luka Doncic. The truth. Now I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team. But they're going to take some of these wins that these teams acquired. Absolutely. The Suns. DeAndre Aiden. Josh Jackson, Devin Booker, Marquise Chris. It's a solid team as well. So in my opinion, the Thunder are going to be a 4 or an 8th seed. I think the top 4 seeds are going to be Houston, Golden State, Lakers, and the Spurs. The Spurs were a 7th seed last year without Kawhi Leonard. They still don't have Kawhi Leonard, but they have DeMar DeRozan instead. Oh... Only a top three mid-range shooter in the game. Maybe the best, depending on who do you talk to. And I'm excited to see where his game goes after some tutelage from Pop. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. And then from five to eight, you got OKC, Utah. Maybe the Pelicans and the Jet, and maybe the Pelicans and the T Wolves. Who knows? But I don't see them beating any one of these teams. They're not beating the Rockets. They're not beating the Warriors. They're not beating the Lakers. They're not beating the Spurs. They're not even beating the Jazz. It's going to be another first round exit for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. And that's not an indictment on Russell Westbrook. That's more of an indictment on this offense. It's an indictment on Billy Donovan. And it is partially an indictment on Russell Westbrook. As the point guard, he needs to tempo, control the game of play, control the pace, let's figure how they look in the playoffs. 45, 46 minutes for Russell Westbrook. The two minutes he's off the court, you know their minus is going to be at least a minus 12. They have no offensive system at all. They're stagnant. They watch. They don't move around. Besides Dennis Schroeder, they have next to no bench. So in the playoffs, he's going to have to play a huge role, Dennis Schroeder. He's going to need to get 30, 35 minutes off the bench. You're going to play Schroeder and Westbrook together? Hmm. And take out the defense of Andre Robertson? I don't know how that's going to look. Dennis Schroeder has some nice active hands, though. I'll give it to him. But I don't know how that's going to look. You could go really small. Schroeder, Westbrook, George, Robertson, and then Steven Adams at the five. You could do that as well. But only time will tell how Billy Donovan wants to play with it. But back to what I was saying earlier with, is this a big three or a big two? Because a lot of analysts call them a big three, but they don't really play like a big three. They kind of play like a big one here, a big one here, and then Steven Adams doing good. But I'll give them a big two. They are a big two based on their skill set and based on the numbers that they put up, but they don't play together. These guys don't play together like they do in Golden State. They play together. Houston, they don't play together, but the system is dictated around penetration, dish, three-point spot up. 
you know what that system is. I can't tell you what OKC's system is other than pick and roll with Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams. And when that fails, you're beat. When that fails, you are beat. Yes, Paul George can catch and shoot, but that, you can't rely on Paul George to drop 60. You need players around him. You need shooters around him. Somebody that can at least give you a mid-range game. Something. Now, if we're ranking them as a big three, let's rank them as a big three. I'm going to redefine the big three rule for this argument's sake, of course. We're going to include coaches in the big three right here. Because coaches are extremely valuable. We see that. With the Quinn Snyders, with the Stevenses, the Popoviches. Even Dwayne Casey, though he got fired, he made that Raptors team better and better every year. So we'll see. Big threes. Ahead of them. Curry, Clay, KD. Any combination of the Warriors, three of their four you want to do. Curry, Clay, KD. Curry, Clay, Draymond. Clay, Curry, Draymond. Clay, KD. Clay, KD, Draymond. Any combination. That Warriors team is just monstrous. The Rockets, of course. Harden, Paul, Mike D'Antoni. I'll even throw... Harden, Paul, and Clint Capella in there. Clint Capella is more is a better player than Steven Adams is today. Absolutely is. Harden is better than Russell Westbrook today. Absolutely is. Chris Paul might not be as good as Paul George, but if you look at them playing, you sure can't tell the difference of who's better. DeRozan, Popovich, Aldridge, that's a great three right there. Let's take a look at the Boston Celtics. Let's take a look at them last year without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Brad Stevens, are they a better three? You don't know. You can't decisively tell me that they're not. But now if I take out Jason Tatum and put Kyrie Irving, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Brad Stevens, then they're looking like a better three. What about Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Brad Stevens, then they're looking like a better three. What about Kyrie, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown? Then you really have to think what three is better. You have Kyrie, one of the most lethal ball handlers in the league. The best finisher around the rim the league has ever seen. Jalen Brown, one of the best young two-way players in the league right now. One of the best two-league players two-way players in the league, period. Regardless of the age, Jason Tatum, a bona fide scorer, ice in his veins. He dunked on LeBron in the playoffs. He doesn't care who's in front of him. And he talks a little trash. I like that. He's fire. He's got some fire in him. Based on what they did last year in the playoffs, I'm not ready to say that they're not a better three than Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Steven Adams. But that's about it for the three. That's about it for a three combination that I can think of. So I thought, okay, what about a big two? Paul George, Russell Westbrook. I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is a better pairing. Not better individually talent-wise, but a better pairing. And individually talent-wise, they might be better. 
Joel Embiid might be a better post scorer and defender than Paul George is a wing scorer and a wing defender. He might be. Ben Simmons is definitely a better playmaker than Russell Westbrook. Not a better scorer, not a better shooter, but Russell Westbrook's not a great shooter either. If you look at the if you look at Simmons and Westbrook, they have a similar game. Simmons will give you less turnovers, but he'll still push the pace. Just take a lot less dribbles doing it. As a rookie, this man's averaging eight assists. Eight rebounds, 17 points. Ben Simmons is the truth. You got to think, and he never averaged a triple-double. Oh, Ben Simmons will average a triple-double in his career. I'm sure of it, especially with the way the league is going. I'm sure he will. You have Ben Simmons and Bede. You have Paul, Harden, Curry, KD. Now, those are the elite. Those are the three elite groups of twos. Now, below them, we have another group of twos, which I consider the fringe to really good two pairings. Larry, Kawhi Leonard, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, LeBron, Ingram, Wall, Beal, Lillard, McCollum, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis in New Orleans, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. That's an interesting tandem. And then you have PG and Westbrook in between those groups. The really good, but can't win you a ring group. Because that's a definitely better pairing than the ones I just mentioned, but not better than the elite group of Simmons and Bede, Paul, Harden, Curry, KD. They're not better than those. So what does this Thunder team need to get over the hump? What do they need? Do they need a, another third? Do they need a big three to complete it? No, they don't. I'll tell you what they need. I will tell you guys what they need. They need to trade for a solid bench score and or a three-point specialist. And I have four names that they should go after. And I organize these four names in pairs of two because I believe that they need to bring these guys in as combos together. They'll work well with each other. First combination, George Hill. Doug McDermott. Why? George Hill can play the one. Dennis Schroeder, yes, he's very good with the with the ball in his hands, but he's a scoring point guard first. Russell Westbrook's a scoring point guard first. George Hill will facilitate. He has no problem just playing the one, giving it to Westbrook, getting out of his way, getting it back, giving it to Paul George, getting out of his way. He has no problem playing the one, how it's supposed to be played. Facilitate, playmake, get you guys in good positions. Doug McDermott, a great three-point shooter. Both of these guys, above 40% shooting the three ball. Where does OKC struggle? Shooting the three ball. Any type of perimeter offense at all. That isn't Paul George or Russell Westbrook jacking up a bad three. That's what they need. Doug McDermott or George Hill. Plus, you could plug George Hill with Russell Westbrook... Play them together. You can plug George Hill with Dennis Schroeder. Play them together. You can sit Westbrook and Schroeder and play Hill with Paul George. Hill and Paul George played together on the Pacers, guys. I don't know if you remember. These two have history. They know how to play with each other. They know how to win. Together. Next combo. 
Courtney Lee and Ken Bazemore. Now why? Why Courtney Lee and Ken Bazemore? Both these guys can play perimeter defense. Both these guys can shoot the three ball at over 35%. Two two-way wings to play alongside Westbrook, Robertson, Paul George against the death lineup in Golden State is what you need. And these are two annoying defenders. They'll get up in you. Kent Bazemore specifically will get up in you. Courtney Lee has nice footwork on D. He'll get you some steals. He'll also put the ball in the hoop. These guys could both put the ball in the hoop. That's what they need. Whatever they go after, they need perimeter shooting for their bench. Because that starting lineup is fine with me. You could upgrade at the power forward position, but it's not really much you can do right now. But no matter what move they make, they need to improve their perimeter shooting. Now, unless they make a move... They're not going to be doing much. Unless they make a move, it's going to be another first-round exit for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. What are you going to do, huh? Okay. Quick basketball notes from last night. The Rockets play the Shanghai Sharks. They won 128-86. James Harden scored 37 points in a preseason game in 31 minutes. Jimmer Fredette drops 41, showing out for the scouts. However, man's jacking up 40 shots. Shooting 14 for 40. That's not too good. Now, me personally, I'm interested to see how the Rockets will do this year. They lost Trevor Ariza. They lost Mbate Mute to free agency. Two good perimeter defenders and Ariza who can also hit the three ball. But they re-signed Clint Capella to that deal and they signed Carmelo. So how will Carmelo adjust? Only time will tell. We saw the other day he's not used to not having to step in to shoot the two. He traded a good shot for a better shot, but no, take the good three instead of the great two. That's how they play in Houston. They're all about the numbers. Daryl Morey, you're a genius in terms of that. You're ahead of the curve. You and Golden State. You shoot more threes, you make more threes. Simple mathematics. But the Rockets will be one of those teams in the Western Conference Finals. The Rockets, the Lakers, and the Warriors are my three. Two of those three will be in there. And the one that's not is the one that has to go up against the Warriors in the second round. I mean... The Rockets were close last year. If Chris Paul didn't get injured, who knows what happens? Who knows? Who knows if they close out in Game 6? Who knows if they close out in Game 7? We'll see. Also, the Nuggets played the Clippers last night. They lost 109-103. Everyone played for the Nuggets, except first-round pick Michael Porter Jr., who we know has the back injury prior to the draft, and Isaiah Thomas, who still rehabbing and recovering from that hip injury he suffered in Boston, came with him to LA, and now he's on the shelf. Cost him $100 million. On the Clipper side, Gallinari had 16 points, 7 rebounds. Tobias Harris, newly acquired Mark Gortat, also sat. Interestingly, I'm looking forward to both these teams to a lesser degree than the Thunder, but I'm looking forward to them. The Nuggets, 
finished 46 and 36 last year, ninth in the Western Conference. They have a nice young core. Jokic, Harris, Murray, Millsap, Michael Porter Jr. You know, Jokic averaged 18 and 10 last year. Murray averaged 16 and 3 last year. These guys are looking to take that next step. And if MPJ can get healthy and be anything that we expect him to be in the NBA, which is a very good player, this Nuggets team can make some noise in the Western Conference. The Clippers can also make some noise in the Western Conference. Why? Because they show that they know how to play together without Blake Griffin. And losing DJ on offense and defense and getting Marcin Gortat isn't too bad of a trade. DJ was getting a little overrated, if you ask me. Gortat will still get you those 10-plus rebounds, but he'll get you 15 to 18 points as well. He has a mid-range game. He can shoot his free throws. He can be on in late-game situations, things DeAndre Jordan couldn't and wouldn't participate in. The Clippers lost Griffin. They lost DeAndre Jordan, but they picked up Tobias Harris in the trade, and they also re-signed Lou Williams, who had a monster year last year. He averaged 22 points, 5 assists. Lou Williams played his behind off last year and definitely got paid for it. He definitely got paid. You can say that again. He got paid. Now the main basketball story. Let me get into it. Lonzo Ball makes his preseason debut. I'm definitely happy for this going to be against the Golden State Warriors in Las Vegas, so who knows what all the crazy betting lines are going to be. How low is his fade? How short are his shorts? How many times do he and LeBron embrace each other? Who knows? Who cares? I just want to see him play. He hasn't played in a game since March 28th of last year. March 28th against the Mavericks. We're waiting on Lonzo to come back. We have a lot we need to see from this man. We're hearing things. We want to know. How much muscle did you add? How's your knee going to hold up? You know? He's saying he added about 15 to 20 pounds of muscle to help him switch on the picks. They're going to have him guarding one through four this year. Great. I'm also hearing it's helping your shot as well. You don't have to fling the ball anymore. It's coming off a lot easier. It's a lot lighter. It's going to help you in the post. It's going to help you going coast to coast, taking contact as you're going up for a layup. Rumor has it you came in last year at 190. You're thickening up. It's also part of becoming a man. So I definitely think that you gaining these 15 to 20 pounds that you're saying you're gained is going to help your game tremendously. And if you know how to work out so your muscle doesn't fatigue, you're even in better shape. How's the knee going to hold up? You were out last year because of the knee. You came back and you went back out because of the knee. I want to see how the knee's going to hold up. Luke's saying you're going to play up to 30 minutes, 10 to 30. I'm hoping it's somewhere around the 20 to 25 range. I want to see you with LeBron. I want to see you with Rondo. I want to see you with KCP. I want to see you with JaVel McGee. How are you going to play with these new guys? How are you going to play with Lance Stevenson off the ball? We're all looking for that Showtime Lonzo. 
That's the lines we're all looking for. The full court passes, the alley-oops, the no-looks. We want showtime. And most importantly, we're all looking forward to the jump shot. Did it improve? Is it going to be consistent? Did you develop a mid-range game from your right? Who knows? Except for a couple of videos, you kept the jump shot under wraps pretty well. And I don't believe that you released the videos either. I think they were just recorded without your knowledge and put out. This game is the most overly anticipated, meaningless preseason game. And I'm happy about it. Why is it so overly anticipated? Because it's like your basketball. Why is it so meaningless? Because they're going up against the Warriors. In a game where the defending champs are going up against a brand new Lakers team. Lonzo's first day back. Lance, Rondo, Javel. All new to the crew. And we're all going to make a big deal about Lonzo making a preseason debut against the defending champs. LeBron versus the Warriors again. But I'm watching it. And I know you're going to be watching it too. We're all going to be watching this game. If you're a basketball fan, if you're a LeBron fan, if you're a Lonzo fan, if you're a LeVar Ball hater, you're watching this game. The first game with LeBron, guys. Imagine that surreal moment when Lonzo and LeBron finally take the court together. Purple and gold. On the hard word. Dap each other up. First link. First connection. First alley-oop to each other. First pass to each other. First assist to each other. That energy is going to be off the off the rails. And I can say that definitively. It's going to be off the rails. It was only a year ago, Laker Nation, and many others were looking at Lonzo to be the one to save the Lakers. He's going to reinvigorate Showtime. He's going to bring Showtime back. Lakers are back to relevancy. And fast forward a year, LeBron's here. LeBron is now looked at as that savior. LeBron is now looked at as the new magic to bring Showtime back. LeBron's the one battling Kobe's demons now. Forget Michael Jordan's demons. He's battling Kobe's demons now. He's battling Kareem's demons, Shaq's demons, Wilt's demons, Jerry West's demons. All these great Laker players' demons. And he's going to step up to the challenge. He's going to take this challenge head on. He's going to carry these young guys. Not this year, maybe not next year, but he will bring a ring back to LA. He will do so. And thanks to LeBron being in LA, that huge target that was on Lonzo's back, 
is a lot smaller now. That huge target on Lonzo's back is a lot smaller now. Because Brendan Ingram dropped 30 last game and is looking really good, that target on Lonzo Ball's back is looking a lot smaller right now. A lot smaller right now. LeBron being in L.A., and I haven't seen anybody mention this. Nobody on Fox, nobody on ESPN, nobody on Bleach Report. LeBron being in L.A. is shading Lonzo from all the eyes that should be on him. It's his second year, the number two overall pick, the chosen one from Magic Johnson. Please don't retire my number in the rafters. Don't break all my records. All of that hype is not there anymore because LeBron's covering for him. LeBron's taking all that. And hopefully, Lonzo comes out. Hopefully, Lonzo shows us that, yeah, I'm here to play. I averaged 7-7-7 seven, seven, and seven my rookie year, and you guys don't think I could play. But I'm here, and I can still play. So we'll see how this Lakers debut looks with the whole gang together. Lonzo, LeBron, Lakers, Purple and Gold, Kuzma, Ingram, Steph, Durant, Clay. Oh, it's going to be a star-studded Las Vegas crowd. You better believe it. Even though it's a preseason game, you better. With those names, it's going to be a star-studded Las Vegas crowd. If I know that's game, if I know that game's right down the corner and I was there at UFC 229, I'm not going back home. I'm gonna wait for a couple days for this game to take place so I can watch two of the greatest players ever to play this game play. So I can watch the best shooter ever play. So I can watch the second best shooter in Clay Thompson play. Yeah. If I was there this weekend, I'm staying. Now, as you guys all know, this is Sports That We Like podcast. I'm a huge football fan, huge Eagles fan. They play tomorrow night. I'll touch on them tomorrow. I'm a Yankees fan. Die hard. I'm a North Carolina's Tar Heel College basketball fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Alabama fan. The only team I admit I front run for him. Roll Tide. Alabama all the way. Tua, my boy. But it's not just the it's not just the regular sports that I like. I like the combat sports too. I don't follow WWE, but I watch it here and there. But one combat sport that I do follow is UFC. And I don't follow the fine tooth comb like Ariel Helwani. But I follow it. Huge news yesterday. In the UFC community. After UFC announced. Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier. For the heavyweight championship fight. Madison Square Garden. November 3rd. Dustin Poirier pulled out with an injury. Dustin Poirier pulled out of this fight with an injury. 
the ironic thing is, Dustin Poirier vs. Nate Diaz was the co-main event for UFC 230. The main event wasn't announced until yesterday. So that means it's been two months since this card was announced and the main event wasn't scheduled for it. So in that meantime, they booked a match of Shevchenko vs. Eubanks for the women's 135-pound title. Now, speculation says that the Shevchenko versus Eubanks fight is canceled, and now Shevchenko is fighting Joanna at UFC 231. So that fight that they had to help bolster the pay-per-view is no longer there. Dustin Poirier pulled out, so that fight is also not there. And this Dustin Poirier Nate Diaz fight was huge because these guys were like we're talking around a 165 pound division. They were talking a 165 pound division into existence. Poirier just TKO'd Eddie Alvarez in his last fight for his fourth straight win to set up this Diaz return fight. You have to think the winner of this fight, has it be Poirier, is looking at a number one title contender fight. Has to be. Against a Tony, maybe fighting a Kevin Lee. But that's a fight. But he pulled out, fights off. So now we're looking now let's look at the card. It's Derek loses, Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight championship fight. And who else? Nobody else. This card is now bland, and this is a Madison Square Garden card. Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis, heavyweight championship fight, and you have Israel Adesanya at a um, light heavyweight fight, and then you have the, pardon me, the Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman fight. For a main event, huge mega card at Madison Square Garden, this is not the card that we wanted. Period. This should be a Connor Khabib card. This should be a Woodley Covington card. That's the type of card this should be. A Dillashaw Cejudo card. This should be one of the biggest cards in UFC history. I know you're just following up the Khabib fight. But Madison Square Garden, fights in New York are things that you shouldn't play with, Dana White. Now, now, Chael Sonnen mentioned something on his podcast that sounds really good. Nick Diaz versus Kobe Covington. He's just throwing it out there for talk's sake. But I'll take it. That's a fight for UFC 230 Madison Square Garden. It should be Lewis and Cormier, Poirier and Diaz, Covington and Diaz. This should be a stacked card, not just a one fight heavy card. Shame on you for even thinking that you could bring this event into last minute fruition to turn into a great card. Unless you pull something out of your behind like John Jones walking out there, I'm not, I'm not for it. And I don't want to see him fight Gustafson. Thank you very much. I don't want to see it. Also in the UFC world, 
the Nevada State Athletic Commission handed down light punishment for now. Suspended for 10 days while the full review of the incidents that took place, UFC 229 occurred. McGregor and Khabib will be suspended 10 days while this investigation proceeds. The Nevada State Athletic Commission are still holding Khabib's 2 million guaranteed purse. Guaranteed purse. Yeah, guaranteed until you do something crazy like jump over the fence. Like jump over the cage and run and throw a flying foot towards Dylan Dennis's face. Should they hold his whole purse? They shouldn't hold his whole purse. But they're holding it. Of course, Conor wants a rematch. He loses, he always wants a rematch. Except for Floyd. Floyd will beat him twice, twice as worse if they get back into the ring. Not the octagon, ladies and gentlemen. The ring. Floyd will do him twice as dirty. Simple mathematics. Something interesting, though. Kevin Lee has been calling out Khabib for years now. Kevin Lee and Khabib stylistically are very similar. However, Kevin Lee is stronger. Kevin Lee lands the harder punch. Kevin Lee's ground and pound is better. However, Kevin Lee did to Barbosa what Khabib did to Barbosa only 10 times worse. Kevin Lee rearranged Edson Barbosa's face. So Kevin Lee's calling out Khabib and Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz's older brother's calling out Khabib. But unfortunately, all these talks are on hold until the exact punishment and the extent of the punishment is known. All right, guys. Tomorrow's going to be a little bit longer. I have some football to get to. My Eagles are playing. I'm going to review this Lakers game. I'm going to see if I can watch some baseball, if I can stand it. I'm not a huge baseball fan. I'm just a Yankees fan. I'm not a huge baseball fan, just a Yankees fan. But if I can stand it, I'll watch some baseball for you and get all that stuff to you tomorrow around the same time. All right. Now, I appreciate everybody listening. I'm new to this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to improve, of course, naturally. I'm going to learn how to do some of these cool edit things. But for sports that we like, this is Ben Daniel. Enjoy your day.